Author's Preface I was born when times were good, on December 4th, 1936, in Paris, in the 19th arrondissement. My parents were living comfortably from their business in the most working-class neighborhood of the city with the help of a workman and a maid. My sister was two years old. Our apartment was located near Boulevard Voltaire in the middle of Rue de Charonne, upstairs from our neighbor's bistro and our store and workshop. It was situated right in the heart of the Revolutionary Triangle, formed by the Place de la Bastille, the Place de la République, and the Place de la Nation. My father, the grandson of the great Kabbalist Elia Shev, had had to flee his native Russia with his whole family at the age of ten because of the pogroms. A refugee in Lithuania, he met the woman who was to become his wife in June 1931 in Paris, in the 14th arrondissement. In 1925, he had chosen to settle in democratic France and study law, which his brother Abraham was already practicing in Lithuania. He attended university for two years while working as a porter at the Gare de Lyon in order to be financially independent of his parents. At the same time, he learned the furrier trade, at which he rapidly became a master. On March 8, 1933, after working for other people and then in their own workshop, my parents opened a store at 99 Rue de Charonne. On January 30, 1935, my sister was born in Paris in the 12th arrondissement. On September 11, 1939, Papa applied to become a voluntary military recruit. On March 21, 1940, having been accepted, he joined the 212th Infantry Regiment, and on August 13, 1940, he was demobilized. On September 27, 1940, a German ordinance forced Jews to register at police stations and government administrations. My father, respectful of the law, complied. Later, the rounding up of Jews would be made easier by this census. On October 18, 1940, administrators were appointed to Jewish businesses. Ours was named Léonce Tournay. A copy of one of his threatening letters is included in the appendix. On October 19, 1940, Jews in the occupied zone had their identity cards stamped with the word Juif. On April 26, 1941, Jews in the occupied zone were barred from a number of professional activities. The administrators appointed to Jewish businesses were given the right to sell them to Aryans or liquidate them. On May 14, 1941, the first rafle, roundup of Jews, took place in Paris. On August 13, 1941, the order was given to confiscate radios and bicycles belonging to Jews. I clearly remember losing our phones at the same time, even though the official removal of phones from all Jewish homes by the Post-Telegraph Telephone, the government communications monopoly, was carried out on June 2, 1941. On August 20, 1941, a massive roundup of Jews took place in the 11th arrondissement. 
It was the first one to target the Jewish population in that specific part of Paris. Papa was arrested at home at dawn by three Frenchmen and taken to the Drancy camp. On December 12, 1941, 1,000 Jewish intellectuals and influential people, most of them French nationals, were arrested in Paris. The same day, the police handed Papa over to the occupation authorities. On February 7, 1941, a German order was issued that severely curtailed freedom of movement and imposed a curfew on Jews between 8 p.m. and 6 a.m. Furthermore, Jews were no longer allowed to change their place of residence. On March 27, 1942, the first deportation of French Jews was carried out. 1,000 prominent Jews were sent to the death camps. Papa was part of the first convoy. On April 19, 1942, my father was murdered at the Auschwitz death camp. On May 29, 1942, Jews aged six and over in the occupied zone were ordered to wear a yellow star, solidly sewn onto their clothing. On July 8, 1942, Jews were forbidden to go to theaters, restaurants, parks, etc. They were allowed to shop only between 3 p.m. and 4 p.m. Out of the 76,000 Jews deported from France, only 2,500 came back. The beginning of my story takes place in 1941 and is followed by a brief look back at my family's flight from Paris in 1940, during what is known as the Exode. I reconstruct the historical image of 99 Rue de Charonne. I recall the atmosphere of my childhood years that had happiness and joy, followed by distress and suffering. I remember my fear and my rebellion against injustice and lack of understanding. I tell of the series of adaptations my sister and I were forced to make, how we had no choice but to accept our guardians, and how this resulted in feelings of guilt. I had to bury the happy period of my early years, when I was spoiled, along with the unhappy war years. I felt pressure to avoid any mention of these difficult times. I should have been listened to in order to be able to face the problems haunting me and deal with the new ones that arose. But I was categorically forbidden to speak of my experience, and I could not think about it without feeling guilty. My judgment didn't count. My suffering didn't exist. After the war, I was held back two years at school. At 11, I earned the first prize in my class, but, because I was older than the other children, their parents put pressure on the administration of the school to take my prize away. The Cité Voltaire School yielded to them. Furthermore, I needed a special dispensation to be allowed to enroll in high school, but it was mercilessly refused. I show what the burden of secrecy did to us. My sister, weighed down by too many responsibilities, was unable to exercise her authority over me without being tempted to abuse it. I express my recognition and gratitude to everyone who helped and protected me 
in spite of the determination of our country to rob our parents and allow the Germans to murder us. I denounced the Vichy administrators, to whom we had to turn over our property and who forced us to hide like criminals in order to save our lives at all costs. I have written this book in order to immortalize the tragedy that marked our lives and to commemorate my parents, who were loved and respected by so many. I also wished to honor my father's life so that his brief existence was not in vain. In telling this story, I was able to truly process the nightmare I had lived through during the most difficult part of my childhood and express my unresolved pain. Finally, I needed to free myself from the residual guilt and shame I had felt for too long about my Jewish identity.